And now, a message from Pastor Michael Carmody. In our series, Courageous, looking at uh, four brave women, four women who uh, really were willing to let things happen in their lives that have had an effect on them and others. And so we started out by talking about Rahab the harlot. I mean, that's just a tag that she's been stuck with for thousands of years. Uh, Rahab the, the harlot, a unlikely hero, a very unlikely hero. Um, and yet she ends up in the genealogy of Jesus because of her courage to hide the spies that came into her city, the city of Jericho. And you all know the story, and I'm not going to re-preach it. P- Pastor Josh already did a great job with that. Then we talked about Ruth, um, the Moabite, again, the title, Ruth the Moabite, the non-Jew, the one who doesn't fit, the one, as a matter of fact, if you remember, who wasn't even allowed to be part of the assembly of Israel. She becomes not only part of the assembly of Israel, but she also shows up in the genealogy of Jesus. These two women, Rahab and Ruth, show up in the genealogy of Jesus. It's an amazing, incredible thing to to look at and think about. Um, Normally, women aren't even listed in genealogies, and these two both show up. And last week, Pastor Josh talked about Esther, the orphan queen, and uh, how God used her to save uh, his people. Um, Today, we get to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Of the four, and if you've been in the scriptures, you've been around the gospel very long, you probably have passing familiarity with all four of these women. But of the four, Mary is by far the most commonly known. I mean, we talk about Mary every Christmas, right? Mary is a character that comes up every Christmas. You see her in all the Christmas plays, you know, wearing a white robe and holding a little baby, right? Um, that's, that's Mary. That's the Mary we're going to talk about today. Um, and we're going to talk about her courage and her allowing God to do something very unique in her life. And so um, today we're just going to jump right into this. I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Here's where we're going to begin. Again, you'll be very familiar with these passages, but just follow along as I read them. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. All right, so here we have the very opening statement, the very opening uh, remarks about this woman, Mary. We don't really read anything about her before this. Um, Suddenly an angel just appears to Mary and has a conversation with her. And you know, we, on this side of the gospel, we read the scriptures and we tend to kind of shroud these types of events in common clothing. And what I mean by that is we tend to think, you know, because we read about angels in the Bible and angel salutations, we tend to think that this is kind of common, that angels just kind of showed up and talked to people in those days and it was somewhat common, so it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Let me assure you that is not the case. Uh, This was just an unusual of an event for Mary, as it would be if today, when you got home, you were taking a nap and suddenly woke up and there was an angel standing there before you and and that angel said, sup? I got something for you. Would that not be a shock to you? You see this glowing thing speaking to you? That would be an incredible thing, right? So we want to put ourselves kind of in the place of Mary. We read, again, a lot about these angels showing up. Um, but people weren't really that accustomed to seeing angels in those days. It was not something that everybody experienced. It was not something that you saw a lot of. Yes, there was in the, no- the Old Testament, there were several events where angels showed up and had conversations with people. But for Mary, this would have been as it would be for any one of us. It was a very uncommon, awe-inspiring, should we say frightening experience. Y'all with me? 
Would you not be frightened if suddenly, even right now in this room with all of us here together, suddenly a big white glowing angel was here and said, hey, I have a message. I would quit preaching. That would be the end of my message for the day, right? We would listen to the few words the angel spoke and we would all go home in awe a couple of hours from now. This would be an amazing thing. It would be frightening, would it not? How many of you would just be a little bit startled if that happened right now? Three of you, that's awesome. So in pre-Jesus Israel, in the, in the nation of Israel before the, the new covenant, before the gospel, before the message of Jesus, um, an angelic manifestation always preceded a message from God. Angels didn't just show up because they had no place else to go. Angels showed up to deliver a message. Angels, in fact, the word angel means messenger. When you read in the, in the book of Revelation about the angels of the seven churches, that's literally talking about the pastors, the messengers of the seven churches. Not that pastors are angels, you understand, but it's an interchangeable word. It's a messenger. So when angels show up, they're coming with a message. They're coming to say something. They're coming for a reason, for a purpose. Uh, Mary would have known this. Mary being a young Jewish girl, some, uh, some guess anywhere between the age of 16 to 18, maybe even younger, but a young Jewish girl. Uh, Mary knew this, and part of the awe of seeing an angel is the physical manifestation of this otherworldly being that is just suddenly there, um, displaying life from another place, from the presence of God. And so uh, an another part of the, of the implication, this is so significant, so frightening, because Mary knew that this angel was not just showing up, but there was a purpose for it. So what was his message to Mary. Well, let's kind of start here and, and break this down. Um, in that first, in that first um, conversation, or the first words that the angel says, he says seven, uh, three things to her. Wow. He says three things to her. He says, first of all, he, says, he, he greets her as the highly favored one. Everybody say highly favored. <laughs> highly favored. That word favored means one on whom the Lord desires to bestow kindness and grace, or to act graciously toward. So the angel shows up and says, hey Mary, God wants to show you extreme grace and, and incredible kindness today. That's a, that's a pretty good opening remark, right? Highly favored. God sent an angel um, to tell Mary that he already favored her, that she had gotten his attention somehow. Next thing he says is the Lord is with you. Well, he says, hey, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. So he starts off by saying, God wants to show kindness and graciousness to you. God is with you. For her to hear that, what that would have meant to her is that God had identified her conduct and her character as something special. To say God is with you means that your conduct and your character has gotten God's attention and he is now attending to you. So this is a big deal. I mean, we think of it today, God's with us. Well, of course God's with us. He never leaves us, he never forsakes us. Wait, back up, put it in reverse, back up to Mary's day. That scripture hadn't been given yet. There was not this idea that God is with all people all the time. That's not the way it worked. God would occasionally showed up, show up and manifest himself to someone or tell someone something. He'd chosen a nation, but it wasn't like God just kind of threw this all out that everybody suddenly has God's presence. That's not the way it was. And so for Mary to hear this, that her character, her conduct had gotten God's attention would have been an amazing thing. The final thing he says, three things, you're highly favored, God is with you, and you're blessed among women. Um, literally, he's saying, you stand out. You are unique among the women of Israel. 
We don't know why. We don't really see what God saw in Mary. But he saw something in her that he comes and identifies to her in terms that she never would have used to describe herself. If you would have asked Mary, hey, Mary, who are you? She would not have said, I'm highly favored. God is with me and I'm blessed among women. She would have said, I'm a little Jewish girl just trying to make my way through life. There's nothing unique from what we read about her, but God saw something in her that got his attention. You know, we might see ourselves as not much, but God sees us as his creation. And he does look at our character and he does look at our conduct and he may not love everything about us, what we do, I should say. He may not love everything about what we do, but he loves us. He can't help himself. He loves us. And we today, we can join with Mary and say God has favored us by the very fact that we get to know Jesus. We are favored among people. We're favored. He is with us today because today we can say he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He is always with us in every situation. We know that. We are blessed. Nudge your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. You look like a blessed person today. We're blessed because God has chosen to demonstrate his grace and his love to us. But he describes Mary in terms that she never would have used to describe herself. In fact, look at the next verse, her, her response to him, Luke 1.29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. So, I mean, she gets this great word. You're highly favored, God's with you, and you're blessed among women. And how does that affect her? Well, she's troubled by it. Uh, in fact, the word troubled there, I broke it down for you. Ready for this? This, this word troubled means disturbed, agitated, and unsettled. So how did this greeting strike her? Was she like, oh yeah, that's me. I'm highly favored. God's with me and I'm blessed. <laughs> that's awesome. No, she was disturbed. She was agitated by this and it was very unsettling. She was, she was like, I don't know, a scared. I mean, she was frightened. There was something in this salutation. I mean, you see this angel and suddenly it's speaking to you. This is not a common everyday occurrence. And it, it gets her attention in a way that she is troubled. Everybody say troubled. Trouble. I heard somebody say this one time. Yes, the truth will make you free. But sometimes before it makes you free, it makes you mad. <laughs> sometimes we got to get unsettled before we'll look at what God really wants to do with us. You know what I'm saying? So Mary has this unsettledness, this disturbed, agitated thing going on. But then it says she considered what manner of greeting this was. She began to consider. The word consider means to settle a thing. So she's unsettled. She wants to try to settle this. Uh, as a matter of fact, it means to reason silently within oneself. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever considered something? Have you ever reasoned quietly within yourself about something and kind of gone back and forth and said to yourself, you say to yourself, you say, self, I'm not sure what this is about. I'm not sure what I should do if I should do this or I should do that. And you start considering and weighing your options. Anybody ever done that? As a matter of fact, that word consider means to deliberate, debate, and dispute with yourself. Yeah. You ever deliberated, debated, and disputed with yourself? Yeah. I don't think I should do that. I think I should. Well, I don't think I should. I think I should. You kind of have this, this dialogue going on. You're considering this. Well, what she's considering is the manner of greeting. She's asking herself, angels don't just show up for no reason. They show up for a purpose. They have a message. And I mean, this was a nice salutation, but frankly, I'm a little unsettled by it. Yeah. I don't know what this is about. I don't know what's going on here. As a matter of fact, what manner of greeting this is? Is this a good greeting? Is it a bad greeting? You know, in the Old Testament thinking, the pre-Jesus days, to see God was to die. 
And see, she might've been thinking, this might be the last day of my life. This is a short life. This may be the end of it. She's troubled by what this means. In a flash, I believe a number of things are going through Mary's mind as she tr she's troubled in considering what's going on. I guarantee you one thing. If the angel had said, hey, Mary, guess why I'm here? The angel would still today be waiting for the correct answer. Because there's no way that Mary would have said, well, I kind of have a feeling that I'm going to have an immaculate conception and give birth to the Son of God. This is not on the radar, folks. She is not expecting this. I never expected that, right? She's not expecting that to happen. That's kind of a common response to angelic visitations, if you read it in the Old Testament. Angels scare people. It's not intentional. It's just that you're seeing something from another realm of existence. And that's a little bit unsettling. Y'all with me on this? So Mary's attempting to get her brain around this idea of being highly favored with God, blessed among women, that she's a, not a common woman. She's unique, original, special, called. Trying to get her brain around the idea that there's an angel here talking to her, trying to figure out what is this, what is going on? Wouldn't you be in that place initially? Like, what is happening here? You'd be troubled. So here's what happens. The angel reassures her in Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. He caught on. She was a little concerned. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He repeats that for emphasis. He's, hey, Mary, I think you were too freaked out when you first saw me to hear what I said. You are favored by God. You've gotten God's attention. Something in your heart, in your conduct, in your character that has gotten God's attention. And something very unique is about to happen. Y'all with me? He goes on and says this, verse 31 of Luke chapter 1. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. That's the message. She would have a son. His name would be Jesus, being a Jew and knowing this language, she would know Jesus means God is Savior or God saves or just simply Savior. This is a big deal, right? Uh, he would be the son of the highest. He would be a king on the throne of David, reigning over Israel forever, and his kingdom would have no end. I don't know about you, but I think if I'd have heard that, that wouldn't have settled things so much for me. <laughs> this, is, this is getting even more complicated now, right? I mean... It's quite a message. So how does Mary respond? Well, in verse 34, she says this, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Now, she's not challenging the angel. She's not questioning the angel's message or doubting the angel's message. She's just simply asking a question. I, I, wait, I, I can't have a son. I am a virgin. Um, we all know what that means. She was not going to have a son because she had not been with a man. How is she going to have a son? That's a legitimate question. I mean, any woman in that situation would have asked the same question or at least thought the same thing. What are you talking about? I, how can this happen? The angel responds in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Do you think she's feeling better about this at this point? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy and he will be called Son of God. We jump to the 37th verse. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing 
will be impossible with God. Now, we all know that, and we quote that scripture all the time, right? Nothing will be impossible with God. Mary probably already knew that. She's serving the God who split the Red Sea and brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt and did all these wonderful things that she's read about and been told about over and over and over her entire life. She knows this God, that nothing's impossible with this God, but for an angel to show up and tell her specifically, there's nothing impossible for God and this amazing thing is going to happen in you. Again, we, got, we, we read this sometimes in the Christmas story and it's just like Mary got a message and she had a baby. There's a lot more to it than that. Mary's mind is reeling. She's trying to get her heart, her mind around this idea. She's a unique individual. She's chosen by God. She obviously has a great relationship with God. She has a heart, a character, a conduct that is ex exemplary. She's, she's an individual that God has chosen for this, but still she's trying to get this. And the angel establishes this truth. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. God can cause a virgin to have a child. I mean, that doesn't seem that strange to us because we've heard this message every year, uh, you know, at Christmas time, and it's not that big of a deal. But you got to understand, when Mary heard this, this cut against the grain of everything she thought and everything that she was. Look how she responds, 138. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Let it be with me according to your word. I think this is the reason God chose her. Because he knew deep inside of Mary was this idea, this concept, this thought. I want God to do with me whatever he wants to do. That doesn't just automatically come out in a situation like this. That's deep inside of her and it comes out because she has no other response. Let it be to me according to your word. And then bang, the angel's gone. Now, if I'm Mary, this at least runs through my mind for a second. Did that really happen? I mean, did I really have that conversation? I mean, she's pretty sure she didn't make up the idea of giving birth to the Son of God, right? But still, I mean, was that real? You'd have to question. You'd have to wonder, was that real? Did I really just have that conversation with an angel? I'll tell you what, for her to say, let it be to me, I, I believe she weighed these words very carefully. Let it be to me according to your word. For her to say that took a tremendous amount of courage not only because of the message that had been spoken and what she was going to bring forth, the Son of God. Really? I mean, think about that. She's going to give birth to the Son of God, the Son of the Highest. She's going to be overpowered by the Holy Spirit, and God's going to plant a seed inside of her that's going to be the Savior of the world, the Son of God. That is a message, folks. Amen. Am I right about it? Yeah. But not only that, but, I mean, she's got to be wondering she knows what that's going to do to her as an unwed mother in Israel. I mean, it's pretty common today to have unwed mothers in our culture, in our society, and really all over the world. In, in certain places, it's not as common, but it's a very common thing. And to think about that in her day, it was almost like you now almost get put outside of Israel because this is not something that women are supposed to do. It's really a sort of a curse almost. And so she has to be thinking about that when she says, let it be to me according to your word. She's weighing this very heavily. This is a life-changing event. And she agrees to do it. That takes a tremendous amount of courage. She has to be thinking, who's going to believe her story? Ah, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This is God's baby. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. Would she even try to explain it? I mean... And if she did, how would people respond? What are people going to think? How could she prove it? There are no DNA tests. 
Back in those days, you couldn't send off spit to 23andMe and find out, yep, God's father. Got it. There's no way to prove this. There's no way to identify this. All you had a visitation from an angel. Mm-hmm. But still, she says, let it be to me according to your word. It's a statement of profound faith, profound trust, and incredible courage. Mary had been chosen by God. Get, get this. Mary had been chosen by God and destined to be the human vessel through whom the Savior of all humanity would be born. This is a human vessel that would give birth to the Savior of the human race. That's pretty incredible. Mary hears from the angel that she also has an elderly relative, I'll call her in this service, an elderly relative by the name of Elizabeth, who also had been barren but became pregnant in her old age, had never had a baby until she became an elderly lady. And all the elderly ladies in the house just fantasize about that, having a baby at at elderly age, but she has this child and she's six months along. So Mary goes to visit Elizabeth because the angel told her, by the way, your relative Mary, uh, Elizabeth over in that other town, she's also pregnant, her who was called barren and she's about to give birth to a son. Everybody, anybody know who that is? John the Baptist, right? And so he, she's about to give birth to a son. And so she goes to visit Elizabeth. And we get this in Luke chapter one, verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. I had somebody talking, heard somebody talking about this one time. So when Mary said hello, the baby leaped out of her womb. This is not what happened. The baby did not leap out of her womb. The baby leaped within her womb. There's like a big kick, a big bump, right? It's like, whoa, hello. Um, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud voice, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? Wow, that's a confirmation, right? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is he, I'm sorry, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Wow. So Mary, you heard what God said and you believed it and you are blessed. The courage that it took to do this brought the blessings of God on her life. Mary is blessed because she believed God's word to her. And that belief led her to a willingness to face the possible, in fact, a likely rejection, maybe persecution, ridicule, isolation, perhaps even hatred by some of her family members. You know, she's, we're not reading this part today, but she's engaged to Joseph. Joseph finds out she's pregnant and he's like, I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to put her away quietly and privately and move on with my life. This is not something I should do. That's, that's what he decides to do. And then he has a visit, visitation from God. He has a dream. And God said, don't put Mary away. What's in her has come from me. And this is my work. And you're going to marry her. And you're going to raise that child. And he said, yes, I am. <laughs> and he got the privilege of raising the Savior of the world. Because he would listen to God. So Mary has this amazing thing happening in her but really, there's a lot going through her, her life at that time. And if you think about when she hears this, this greeting from Elizabeth, she breaks out into song. It's called the Magnificat. It's in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. We're not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read just the first few verses to you. She said this. Mary said, this is after Elizabeth gives her this confirmation. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. And she begins to immediately thank God and praise God and thank him for looking upon the lowliness of his servant, Mary. 
that he looked on her condition and chose her to be part of his plan. You know what? Every one of us could do that. We could sing the Magnificat. We could look at God's plan, his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his kindness on our life that's allowed us to be part of this kingdom, allowed us to be part of this story, allowed us to be part of this message that has blessed us. Am I right about it? He's looked with favor on the lowliness of his servants. He's looked at us and said, not a matter of whether or not you deserve my salvation, I give it to you because I love you. Amen. This is good news. Amen. So he tells Mary, this is who you are, this is what I'm going to do. You are highly favored. You are someone who is with God. You are blessed among women. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a seed in you, and you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And 2,000 years later, there'll be a little church up in Fort Dodge, Iowa, and people will be talking about you. Incredible. So I have a question for us today. What are God's promises to us? I'm pretty sure most likely an angel hasn't appeared to you and spoken anything to you. If that... If that, if that has happened, I'd love to talk to you about that. But most likely that hasn't happened. And yet, do we have promises from God? Yes. Oh, my goodness, bucket loads of them, right? Yes. Do, we have, do we have a mission? Mary had the mission. I mean, she hears this word. It's a great word. She has a great time. I mean, I'm sure she wrote in her journal, great experience today talking to Gabriel. <laughs> and this is what he said, right? I mean, this was a, this was a hallmark moment in her life. There's no question about it. Yes? And he says, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm going to do through you. And it was a, it's a big deal. It's a major thing. For her to step into that and say, yeah, okay, let's do this. Let it be to me according to your word. Took a tremendous amount of courage because she knew in that moment her life would be forever changed. So what does God say to us? Who does he say we are? And what does he ask us to do? Man, I'm so glad you asked. I want to finish this message up by moving this away from Mary and looking at what are, the, what's, what are some of the promises God's given us. Can't talk about all of them. We would be here until, I don't know, midnight, maybe longer. Uh, so we're not going to do that. We're going to look at three. We're going to look at three promises that we have in the New Testament, and we're going to look at one mission. Because Mary had the mission of giving birth to the Son of God, and she said, let it be to me according to your word. And I'm wondering if we're willing today to say, let it be to me according to your word. I will fulfill the mission you've given me as part of your church. So let's look at the promises first. You ready? Ephesians 1, 7. <clears throat> because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. So what's God's promise to us? God's promise to us is that we are free. Yes. We have been made free from the penalties and punishment of all of our misdeeds. Every one of us have had misdeeds. Yeah. Another way of identifying them would be sin, right? We've all done things we knew we shouldn't do. <clears throat> Excuse me, didn't do things we knew we should have done. We've missed the mark. That's what sin is, missing the mark. We've all missed the mark. And because of that, there's this list of penalties and punishments. You know, talk about somebody having a rap sheet as long as their arm. My, my sin rap sheet went down my arm, back up again, across my back, down the other arm, down this leg. I mean, I had a rap sheet of sin. Anybody with me on that? Y'all looking at me like, oh, that's not me. We all have this rap sheet, right? And there's punishment and penalties that go along with that. But we have been set free from them. Amen. And I love this where he says, not just barely free either abundantly free. Everybody say abundantly free. So let me ask you a question. You know, the, the angel told Mary, you are highly favored. Let me ask you a question. And I'll give you the answer right here in this. The answer is in this verse that we just read. So if Mary's highly favored, what are you? 
abundantly free. free. That's right. Everybody say it. I'm abundantly free. You're free from whatever kind of hangups you have, whatever habits might be bothering you, whatever past has been plaguing you, whatever junk has been spoken over you, whatever things you've been rehearsing in your mind and the sins that you've been thinking about that you have done. You are free, abundantly free from all of that. doesn't have to be part of your life anymore. Well, that's good preaching, preacher. You go. Free. Freedom and pardon, redemption, release. It's all ours. We are free and abundantly free at that. That's not bad news. Let me read you. That's the first one. That's the first one. So I ask you, what's God's promise to you? You are abundantly free. That's awesome. Second one, I'm going to read it from, the, from my Bible because I want to read a little more than what you'll see on the screen because I want to because it's really good. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, check it out. And it's kind of cool because Joe read this opening the service for us today. Where do you go, Joe? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship? No. How about distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Check it out, verse 37. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Everybody say more than conquerors. That's right. Now I'm going to come back to that in a second. Uh, this is what you don't have. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. The angel came and told Mary, this is who you are. You're highly favored. God's with you. You're blessed. The Bible's telling us today, this is who we are. We are abundantly free. We are more than conquerors. That word, by the way, in the Greek, more than conquerors, is hooper nikeo. Nikeo means to be victorious. Hooper means to be extremely. So this idea of hooper nikeo, or more than conquerors, we don't just have victory in our lives. I hope everybody's listening. We don't just have victory in our lives. We have incredible, amazing, over-the-top victory. This idea of hooper nikeo, uh, more than conquerors, if you think of a, of, a, of a sporting event, it's not just winning. It's like creaming the other team. You know, it's, it's a basketball game that's 0 to 178. It's like there's no competition. That's how victorious you are. And I can tell you're really excited about that. You're happy and really rejoicing. You know, you know who you are? You are Hooper Nikeo. You should introduce yourself like that to somebody sometime. Just say, hey, Hooper Nikeo, good to meet you. I am, I am more than a conqueror. Actually, don't do that. That would probably be a little weird. But that's who you are. You are Hooper Nikeo. You are more than a conqueror. When those old lies come back and say, you're never going to get free from that, you tell yourself, I'm abundantly free and I'm more than a conqueror. Bug off. Amen. Right? Second Peter 1.4. Here's the third one. You ready? This is a good one. Thus, he has given us through these things, his precious and very great promises, so that through them, you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants in the divine nature. Wowee. You know what that means? That means the nature and the character of God lives inside of you through Jesus Christ. If you have made a decision to be a follower of Jesus, the nature of God is being developed in you. You know how Mary, incredible thing, God places a seed in the womb of a virgin and for nine months that seed grows into a baby. 
and is born, and we know the whole birth story and all that, and Jesus grows up, and they become the Savior, and he's crucified, rises from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father. We know the story, right? But it begins as a seed planted in the womb of a woman where it has to grow a natural birth for nine months. Has to live a natural life and grow up from infancy to adulthood. In the same way that that seed was planted in Mary and Jesus began to be developed, when we receive the Holy Spirit, the seed of God's nature was planted in us. And the nature and the character of God has been active, growing in us. God's compassion, his love, his wisdom, his understanding, his approach, his, his compassion for the world around us is growing in us as a body of people. The church ought to be the most compassionate and understanding group of people on the planet because if it weren't for the goodness of God, we would be nowhere, folks. And when, that pla- when that's planted in us, that compassion, that love, that hope begins to develop in us to where we want to make a difference in the lives of those around us. And that's the mission. Here's what he gives us to do. Check it out. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. This is the last verse before the, the very last verse. So here it is. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. Who are you? Who, you're the light of the world. So let's, let's review real quick. First of all, you are uh, abundantly free. Yes? Secondly, you are Hooper Nikeo. You are more than a conqueror. Thirdly, you are the light of the world. We get nowhere cursing darkness. But when we light a light, things begin to change. Somebody help me out in here. So here's the deal. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. Check it out. Hold on now. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. We are to be light to the world around us. You know, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said this. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not stumble in darkness, but will have the light of life. He said, I'm the light of the world. Now, that's John 8. I'm the light of the world. Matthew 5, it says, you are the light of the world. Same nature that's in Jesus is now in us. Same light that's in Jesus is now in us. The same hope, the same compassion. The same message of God's acceptance that was in Jesus now lives in us. We are here to reconcile this world back to God, to let people know that God is not against them. He loves them just like they are. He just loves them too much to leave them like that. He wants to work in our lives. So we've been given these great promises, and we've been given a mission to take this light to a dark world. And I'm wondering if anybody here would do what Mary did and just respond by saying, let it be to me according to your word. Let me live that promise. Let me live out that mission today. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.